Please open your Bibles with me to the book of Hebrews, the epistle of Hebrews. We're going to read the first chapter. Hebrews chapter 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken, spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son." And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he saith, Who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But under the sun, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God... Even thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens of the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment. And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy year shall not fail. But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? And they not all are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? This evening, if the Lord be pleased, we shall embark on a study of the book of Hebrews. Or, as the Apostle puts it, it is the epistle written to them that believe to the saving of the soul. The great design of the book of Hebrews, the great design of this epistle, is to set forth the superiority of the Lord Jesus Christ. In particular, his unrivaled excellence over the prophets and the angels, his unrivaled excellence over the prophet of God Moses and of the priests of God, Aaron and his sons. Hebrews sets forth Christ our priest as being much better than the Old Testament priests. Hebrews sets forth Christ our sacrifice as much better than the Old Testament sacrifices. Hebrews sets forth Christ our mediator as being the mediator of a much better covenant than the Old Testament covenant. As we study it, 
May God give us grace to learn the true meaning of the mysteries of the law of true Israel and the design, use, and meaning of its ceremonies. Additionally, the book of Hebrews warns against apostasy and shows the true glory of faith in Christ, that is, the fullness of our salvation by him. Now, Paul is writing to a group of believers who are Jews who believe on Christ. And they had a thorough understanding of the Old Testament scriptures, especially the histories and stories contained in the first five books of the Bible. Those to whom he sent this letter would be well acquainted with the account of how Abraham's family became the nation of Israel, or how Moses led the people of God out of the bondage of Egypt, or where they received the law and the covenant of God, and where they built the tabernacle, or where the priests offered sacrifices, and about how they wandered through the desert on their way to the promised land. So the apostle here is writing to believing Jews. Surprisingly, the word Hebrew or Hebrews is nowhere to be found within this epistle. But we understand clearly from its contents that the apostle was writing to Jews who believed on Christ. The apostle writes in the second chapter that the gospel of Christ was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Peter is recorded as putting it this way in the books of Acts. He declares, Brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us, that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. And Peter finished his discourse by saying, We believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Now, if you, however, must know very particularly to whom this blessed epistle is written, the Apostle Paul tells us in Hebrews chapter 10. Paul writes, it is written to them that believe to the saving of the soul. Beloved, may, may we discover as we read its pages that indeed this epistle is truly written to you and truly written to me. All right, let's look at the first part there of Hebrews chapter 1, beginning there in verse 1. The apostle writes, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. The apostle is saying here that God spoke to our fathers during the Old Testament dispensation time by the prophets, of whom were the prophets Moses, Joshua, Samuel, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and many others. God spoke to the prophets in different ways and at different times. The apostle is stating here that God has spoken unto the fathers by the prophets directly, as was the case in the garden with Adam and Eve. Moses records that the promised seed, Christ, shall bruise the head of that serpent, Satan. Abram heard directly from the Lord, Fear not. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. God has spoken unto the fathers by the prophets, by his angels. 
In the Old Testament, we read many times, the angel of the Lord said. God has spoken unto us, rather, God has spoken unto the fathers by the prophets in dreams and visions. We read repeatedly again and again, God came or spake or said in a dream or in a vision. And though God has spoken at sundry times and in diverse manners, to us through the prophets, the message they delivered was one message. Read Moses. He writes of the promised seed that Christ shall bruise the head of that old serpent, Satan. Read Solomon. He writes of our promised Redeemer, indeed our Lord Jesus Christ, shall save thee, beloved. Read Isaiah. He writes of the promised Savior as the one who will swallow up death in victory. God tells us by the prophet Isaiah that Christ will save us. Well, who is this one? Who is the Christ, the Savior we have waited for? I love the way Philip puts it. Philip tells us, the one whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write is Jesus of Nazareth. Isaiah writes, we have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation, for he will save us. By the prophets, our Heavenly Father testifies of his only begotten Son, very blessedly, as the one who shall not fail, to bring mercy and redemption to the nations. Our brother Luke, the beloved physician, puts it on this wise, to him, that is Jesus of Nazareth, give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. You miss the meaning of this book, the Bible, entirely, if you miss to whom it gives witness. Ask Philip. Philip, is this a book of history? Ask Luke. Luke, is God's word, the Bible, a book of wisdom? Indeed, ask the Lord himself. Lord, what is this book about? God give you grace to hear the one life-giving answer. Friend, the scriptures don't have eternal life. We don't have eternal life by the scriptures. Rather, by the testimony of the scriptures, we have eternal life. What is the testimony of the scriptures? Christ is the testimony of the scriptures. Our blessed Lord declared, where you find eternal life, sinner. The scriptures, our Lord declares, are they which testify of me. And we say with him, the scriptures are they which testify of him. Sinner, come to Christ. Come to him that you might have eternal life. Friend like you, I once asked in my unbelief, what must I do to be saved? God give you grace to hear, believe, and receive the gospel answer. The natural man believes he can do something to be saved. But my friend, the gospel is for those that worketh not. For those who have no need to do anything to be saved. Perhaps someone is asking, how can that be? That is so, because my Savior is such a Savior that there is nothing for a believing sinner like you and a believing sinner like me to do. Say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord, and he shall save thee. The gospel of Christ is so wonderful, so incredible, 
so amazing that, is, that if it is to be believed, you must be given a new nature. You must be born from above. The natural man cannot and will not be saved lest he trust, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you a doubting believer here this evening? Do you ask what doth hinder you to identify with the Lord of glory? Perhaps you are asking the very same question the eunuch asked. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Believing sinner, do you have sin? Yes, you do, as do I. I hate that it is so. But beloved, he has loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood. Believing sinner, do you have unrighteousness? Yes, you do, as do I. I hate that it is so, but God has granted that we should be arrayed in the fine linen, clean and white, of his righteousness. The prophet tells us, beloved, our righteousness is of him. All right, let's keep on reading. Verse 2, the apostle writes, Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. The apostle writes here by the, the expression, Hath in these last days, that in time past, referring to the dispensation time before when God's people waited for Christ to come and redeem his people. So now in these last days, refers to the dispensation where we now wait for his promised return. Just as the two men in white apparel declared, this same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. The apostle further writes, God hath spoken to us by his Son. How I bless the Lord for the gospel contained in this blessed expression. God has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. As the prophet puts it, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Once you followed the prophets, but now you hear and see to whom they testify, Christ Jesus the Lord. And ye hear no man save Jesus only, and those as of sincerity in the sight of God who speak in Christ. Turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17. Beginning there in verse 1, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17, verse 1. And after six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias, talking with them, talking with him. Then Peter, then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt 
let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias. While yet he spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. A fellow minister and fellow servant in the Lord wrote, quote, The Lord Jesus Christ is not one of many revelations. He is the revelation of the invisible God. Christ is not one of many words. He is the word of God. You and I cannot see God, know God, speak to God, be spoken to by God, or come to God except by Christ. Christ is the way. Without him, there is no going to God. Christ is the truth. Without him, there is no knowing God. Christ is the life. Without him, there is no living before God. There is no prophet like Christ, our prophet. He is unrivaled in his excellence as the revelation of the invisible God. End quote. Indeed, our Heavenly Father has spoken to us by his Son. Beloved, the Word was made flesh, the message of mercy, the truth of redemption actually and really dwelt among us. In the volume of the book, it is written of Him to do our Heavenly Father's will. Turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. And look there with me in verse 21. The angel of the Lord declaring to Joseph, declared of Mary, She shall bring forth the Son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Verse 22, Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of, of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God with us. This is the testimony of our Lord to Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. In essence, our Lord testifies to Philip and all of his blessed people, I am God with you. Now, the apostle, continuing in Hebrews chapter 1, further writes, of our Lord, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, heir of all things. All that the Father has belongs to Christ, the kingdom of nature, of providence, and of grace. It is not only his by right as the Son of God, 
but as the Son of Man, he purchased it on the cross with his precious blood. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1 and look there with me in verse 16. Apostle writes, For by him, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. All right, let's keep on reading in Hebrews, in verse 3. Apostle continues to write, verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. There are three important things about Christ our Lord which are set forth in this verse. The apostle sets before us, first, who Christ is, second, what he did, and lastly, where he is now. Well, who is Christ? Who is the Son of God? The apostle writes that our Lord is the brightness of God's glory. Indeed, Christ is the only expression of the glory of God. As God's own word puts it elsewhere, Christ is the word of made flesh, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. One commentary tells us that some translate the words in verse 3, at the beginning of verse 3, as the ray of God's glory. Now the meaning is to convey this, that the Father and the Son are of the same nature, as the sun is to a ray of light that emanates from its brightness, in that the one is not before the other, and yet they are distinct from each other and cannot be divided or separated, so too the Father cannot be divided or separated from the Son. And the Son is, as the Apostle puts it, the brightness of God's glory, which should not surprise us, since our Lord himself declared, I and my Father are one. And he tells us, so we may understand, the Father's glory is his glory. The Father's power is his power. Indeed, what the Father possesses as God's rightful heir by decree and rightful heir by the purchase of blood, our Lord very blessedly possesses as the eternal Son of God 
and the eternal Son of Man all that the Father possesses. Well, what did Christ do? The Apostle tells us Christ Jesus, our Lord, by himself purged our sins. Beloved, what shall I do to help you understand this blessed declaration? Shall I turn to the Webster's Dictionary and read of how it defines the word purged? In the Merriam-Webster's online dictionary, the first definition I read of the word purged is this, to clear of guilt. While that, that is an indication of the blessed meaning contained here by the word purged, when the apostle writes that our Lord by himself purged our sins, certainly it is referring to a clearing of guilt. I thought perhaps I shall find a better definition using a Strong's Concordance and look up the number word for purged. In Strong's Concordance, I find two Greek words that make up this translated word purged. Now, I'm not here to impress anybody with Greek, so I'll spare you my attempt at pronouncing those two Greek words together. But literally, put side by side together, they would mean by himself, Christ caused our purification from our sins. And yet I still find both these definitions do not move my heart upwards in adoration and love to our Lord, who has bought me with an exceedingly precious price. Indeed, he bought me with his precious blood. And so when I read that he by himself purged our sins, let me show you how God's own word defines this word purged. Turn a few pages forward to chapter 10 and look there in verse 17. God's own word declares in verse 17, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. If you want a definition for the word purged, it's right there. Don't look to a dictionary. <laughs> Strong's concordance can help sometimes. Look to God's own word. Beloved, I've had an especially bad week, and all of it caused by the sin of this body of death. Beloved, I don't want to sin, and yet, though it pains me, Though I don't want to see yet more sin in my life, I see that the Lord took it all, all my sin and iniquity into his perfect, blessed person and suffered the unmitigated wrath of God for it. Our Lord God, Jesus Christ, who is mighty to save, has trodden the winepress of God's wrath alone. And of his people, there was none with him. I was not there with him. You were not there with him. He by himself has purged our sins. He put away our sin by the sacrifice of himself. Beloved, our Lord declares very blessedly, Oh, how sublime, how wonderful, how can it be? Every sin I have ever committed Every wicked and lofty thought of iniquity I have ever held, all the horridness of my words, deeds, and thoughts, 
the Lord of glory, has taken them upon himself and declares in the covenant of grace, Heavenly Father, my beloved Joseph is washed in my blood. I have taken his sins and made them my very own. They are to be forever remembered for eternity as my sins. And because I have put them away by the sacrifice of myself, Joseph's sins and iniquities are remembered no more. The Lord Jesus Christ of himself, by himself alone, and by the sacrifice of himself, made atonement for the sins of his people. Beloved, our Heavenly Father hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He took our sins upon himself, bore them, and died under the penalty of them, and has purged them completely. The prophet declares, Surely hath he borne our griefs, and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. That word bruised means, beloved, he was crushed in the winepress of God's wrath. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. All this was done, beloved, in the body of his flesh through his sin-atoning death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Well, where is the Lord Jesus Christ now? Christ Jesus the Lord sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. The apostle tells us this in verse 3 towards the end. What does the apostle mean? What is God telling us here? Sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Beloved, our heavenly Father's right hand is the place of power, greatness, acceptance, and glory. And there Christ sits, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the man-God, Christ Jesus our Lord. And we with him Indeed, all his elect are glorified in him and with him. We have been made to sit down with him in heavenly places. Beloved, even now, right now, <laughs> we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. To be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Right now, beloved, glorified in him. My friend, be not deceived. The unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Again, be not deceived. 
neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And the apostle finishes with these words, and such were some of you. Beloved, before God, ye were fornicators, ye were idolaters, ye were adulterers, ye were cowardly, ye were perverse, ye were thieves, ye were covetous, ye were drunkards, ye were revilers, ye were extortioners. But now, beloved, by the sacrifice of himself, <laughs> he by himself has purged our sins. Beloved believing sinner, you who look to Christ alone to save you, by him ye are washed. By him ye are sanctified. By him are you justified. By the Spirit of our God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved believing sinner, ye are washed. He who knew no sin has taken your sins and made them his very own. Beloved, ye are sanctified. He who knew no sin has taken his righteousness and made it to be yours. And by the washing of his blood, by the sanctifying of his righteousness, beloved, ye are justified. By the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Before God, our Lord can declare of you, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. My friend, to be justified is to be found declared not guilty before the judgment bar of God by the blood and righteousness of Christ. All right, let's keep reading there. Verse 4. The apostle writes, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4. Being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. The apostle sets forth plainly and clearly that our Lord Jesus Christ is so much better. So much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. This is a note that shall be sounded throughout the entire book, the excellency the superiority and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ over all creatures, all covenants, all priests, and all sacrifices. And Paul starts with with the angels. He is as much superior to the angels as a creator is to the creature, as a king to his subjects, as a master to his servants. The word of God declares... Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. My friend, if you must be saved, 
if you will be saved, you will not be saved by the scriptures, you will not be saved by the angels, but by God's beloved Son. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Or unto which of the angels did he say, Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Friend, blessed are all they that put their trust in Christ to save them alone. Amen.